People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, inviting you to join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can follow us on Facebook. You can reach us with your comments, questions, suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our long-awaited YouTube channel. And now on with this week's episode. Hello, and here we are again, Brothers Talk family, welcoming you in around the world, wherever you're listening and holding your critical thinking conversations, promote activism, and uplift our people. And all first-time listeners, we're glad you're here to help with the work of encouraging and educating as we endorse and inspire new and existing Black businesses to empower and enrich the Black community. In the new COVID reality, the global health emergency has been declared over by both the U.S. government and the World Health Organization, but not because there aren't still hundreds of people dying from the disease and its effects each week, or because thousands aren't still being infected daily, but in the words of the official statement, because it can't go on forever. That's right, the official reasoning is basically, it's been long enough. And how ultimately modern thinking that is in the impatient times that we're living. Yes, we're all tired of COVID-19, but it's not done with us. The latest Omicron subvariant Arcturus forecasts to produce a new surge again this fall and winter, but we're bored with protecting ourselves and fighting back. Well, not us. We're still urging everyone to be careful when you're out and about, and even though there's no longer officially a health emergency, they're still advising that you get your vaccinations or the newest boosters. And remember that wearing a mask helps to prevent the spread of all respiratory infections, including the flu and RSV2. Use plenty of disinfectants when traveling so that your trip doesn't end in the hospital or worse, and definitely don't want to bring anything back to your medically fragile family and friends. Come on, people, we're going to be like the old gospel song, I'm Not Tired Yet, because we can and we must do better. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Norm. Thanks, Rod. And family, thanks for your continued support, as, as always. And like Rod said, we're going to continue to beat this drum about the virus until people really, really get it through their heads that, hey, this virus is not going anywhere and it's still killing people. Go out there and protect your family, your friends, all of your loved ones. Do what's necessary to support people. Uh, it's, it's frustrating to me, and it's really, really concerning to me because even my family members, some of them don't wear their masks all the time. They wear the mask when they're around me because I wear my mask. Uh, people forget that when you got young kids, babies, newborns, and 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 and, and the sort, and you're going out interacting with other people throughout the day, and then you're coming home to a newborn, you're liable to get that newborn something who is not protected like you are. And so let's stop being selfish. Go out there, get vaccinated, get boosted. And and wear your mask, Norm. Thanks, Scott. And I just wanted to give a follow up on one of our prior guests, Janelle Johnston. She's doing fantastic work in Englewood and in Bergen County, really helping disadvantaged youth break the cycle of poverty in their families. 
And I just happened to run into her before one of her program events. And she invited me to attend. And I was really proud to sit there and watch the mayor and the city hiring officer come in to a group of young people and literally just show them and give them experience and, and, and the wisdom on how to conduct themselves in interviews and just carry themselves and achieve their goals. You know, it was a great opportunity. And I just wanted to shout out Janelle for, for continuing great work. Right. So across the country, there is a continuing dichotomy going on between, as we'll call it, the forces of good, those who are focused on supporting diversity, equity, inclusion, access, and belonging, and those who would try to turn the clock back to the 50s, to the 1850s. Now, it's not lost on most people who do even a cursory search that in the 60s, when the Civil Rights Act was really enacted, there was easily acceptance of the fact that it didn't go far enough in addressing a lot of the inequities that occurred and inequalities that occurred from the over 250 plus years and then another 100 years of slavery and discrimination. So the first effort began something called affirmative action, which was supposed to be targeted at focusing on helping out the descendants of the enslaved who had been wronged by this country's white supremacist mechanisms and government. And that morphed into diversity and inclusion, which morphed into diversity, equity, and inclusion, which morphed into diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and is now diversity, equity, inclusion, access, and belonging. All of these have continued to be about attempting to recognize that there has been a significant need to address the wrongs that have been done mostly to the descendants of African-American enslaved, but along the way, they pulled in more and more other groups in the process. And while we've said before, we're not against other groups getting their just due, but they just shouldn't get it at our expense. So what has happened more recently is you're seeing a number of governments in different states like Florida and Texas and Oklahoma who are doing their best to roll back any efforts at diversity, equity, inclusion, access, and belonging by conflating it with the issues surrounding the LGBTQI issues, as well as CRT, as well as immigrant laws, anything else they can throw in. But the main objective has been to undercut any rights that are there to be had for Black Americans, the descendants of the African-American enslaved. And so we're seeing this playing out on a daily basis. And so the other side I will call evil, because anything that is against that which is good is evil. And that's what we're seeing. What we're witnessing in real time every day is like an all-out assault by a right-wing, non-Black, well, let me take that back, some Black right-wing who are just uh, attacking anything associated with Black culture, culture, Black people, just anything Black. Uh, a prime example of is what happened in New York when this young man on the subway uh, was choked to death. White guy felt the need to, I don't know all the details, 
they're gonna he's going to trial. But the fact that this man had him in a chokehold for 15 minutes and he died, and there are people coming out calling this guy a hero. Uh there's a GoFundMe for his defense is way over two million, but the family of the deceased, nothing. And this is something that's repeated over and over in this country where somebody black is killed by somebody white, whether it's a police officer or whomever, and they're rewarded. But the victim, victim's family is just left to pick up the pieces and demonize like this kid. They're calling them all kinds of names. These people are coming out and they're hammering this guy. They're calling them all kinds of thugs. You take a look at what's going on in Florida, where Rod mentioned about Ron DeSantis. This guy behaves like a robot, but seems like his the number one thing he thinks is going to get him the presidency is to attack anything black. And it's disguised in, oh, um, I'm, I'm signing this bill. We have this bill to do away with anything diverse, any diversity, any diversity program. All the research, which is very, which is ignorant, it's ignorant because any research, if you look at any of the major corporations that are successful, one of the things that they talk about the most is diversity, that you got to have a diverse workforce if you're going to be successful, if you're going to survive. But under this, the guises of doing away with diversity is aimed at uh, black folks. This is something that we can take away from black folks. We can hold them back. We can slow them down. The same thing with affirmative action. You got people been going after affirmative action for years. Now the Supreme Court, I don't know what the decision, did they make a decision about it yet? Uh, a little glimmer of hope and light. I saw this uh, article where there are some Asian uh, kids saying that, hey, we want diversity. I don't want I went to a school where there weren't any black or or Hispanic uh kids. I want to be around a diverse. I want to be around people who don't look like me like the rest of the world and the rest of the country the way the rest of the country look. But the right wing people in power who had the biggest megaphone, they're the ones out here going after black anything black full steam ahead. I just want to touch base on the incident in New York City subway where the Marine choked out um, the African-American gentleman. And literally, they had to have a protest in the subway for the prosecutor and NYPD to even act charge this gentleman. They had to have a protest. They didn't even call that murder, what he did to him. That's, that's how bad that situation is. And that seems to be a, a a standard in this country where we have to protest to get simple, basic justice in 2023. I just wanted to address that since you have mentioned this, Scott. And I also wanted to bring up in Oklahoma, they have literally banned several black books and literature, literally book banning or book burning, whatever you want to call it, in regards to our opportunity to tell our story to the world and our young people, especially. So as you mentioned, it is an attack on black and blackness in this country. But my real issue is where's the pushback? I'm not seeing 
any pushback, none at all, from our community and from the so-called allies we have. And again, the Black Caucus, silent as a church mouse, nothing. Where is the pushback? So one thing I did see, and uh, he was a former Marine, but the Senate, in the person of Senator Markey from Massachusetts, has introduced the bill to expand the Supreme Court by four justices. And his reasoning was very sound. He said, you know, they basically stole two seats when they stole Merrick Garland's seat. And when they put Amy Comey Barrett in at the 11th hour and 59th minute, And then he said they need two more to restore the balance. And he pointed to the fact that the original Supreme Court was only six and that at one time Lincoln had expanded it to 10. And so that's one of the things that I think certainly needs to be done to counteract the damage that 45 has done to really rip back the veil off of the overt racism that we're seeing. And I think that's at the root of all the things that we're talking about whether it's whites feeling like they have the right to kill black people or white police-dominated forces that feel like they could have the right to kill unarmed black people with impunity, or whether there are laws that are being input by governors and state legislatures that are meant to try to turn the clock back. And as I said, it's not the 1950s. They're trying to turn it back to the 1850s. And this is all a result of the unveiling of it by 45 with his MAGA crowd, because that's all that ever really meant in the first place. And we've talked about that on many occasions. But at the end of the day, it really is all about just abject racism being thrust to the forefront as a political movement. And while it's not the predominant factor out there, it certainly seems to be the loudest. Yeah, Rod, I I, I totally agree with you uh, about what's happening. And the sad part about it is it looks like the wheels are just coming off in this country and the impact that it's going to have and and, it, and, it, and it's really sad. And we've talked about this a lot, too, how people vote against their their own interests. Uh, I think I posted an article on a Facebook page where they were talking about the bill that the uh, Republicans put out there, the, uh, the House put out. They wanted to want Biden to negotiate to raise the debt ceiling. But in that bill, they're cutting Medicare. They're cutting uh, food stamps, you know. Uh, they're cutting all of this aid to people who needs it the most, the most vulnerable population by this if it's enacted. But these same people who are being impacted are going to go into the booth and vote for people who are taking food off of their table to feed their families. And, and, and it's just mind boggling to me. Uh, I, I don't quite get it. And Rod, I remember you telling me one time that, you know, if you did, you'd be one of those people. So I guess I never get it. Uh, And and you see this just constantly. People are voting against their own interests. Constantly, you got idiots like Marjorie Taylor Greene out here. Every time they pull the microphone to her mouth, she says the stupidest, most uneducated thing that you just just mean-spirited and hateful and that's what it seems like is happening to me you got people that has have all the money they already got all the money 
They have all the power, and yet they're blaming everybody else for the ills that's happening in this country. What it looks like to me is people like Ron DeSantis, they're just weak. You know, for people to, to, to claim that, you know, they're superior, okay, if you're so superior, let's go out here and compete. It seems to me that you're afraid to compete. If you're so superior over every other race, come out here, go out there and compete, and let's see how superior you are. But know what you're doing? You're trying to use fear, uh, 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 threatening people, bullying people, and that just doesn't work anymore. And you sp you spoke about the cuts, especially to like you know welfare, uh, food stamps, and what have you. And I just I I couldn't resist. Do you know how many military families are on food stamps and are on government assistance? I mean, they don't really understand who they're hurting here. The the, the people who are sacrificing for this country. They, they really have no clue. And the sad irony is, while they're making all of these cuts to, to Medicare and, and food stamps, they're increasing the military budget. They're rewarding the DOD who literally just failed their fifth consecutive audit. They have billions of dollars that they can't even account for, and they're given more money. So there you have it. It is always about race. No matter what they try to say, no matter what they try to do, it always comes down to race. As we have a special closing this week, remember you can share your thoughts with us and follow and communicate with us by sending your comments as well as questions and show ideas to the Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us to brotherstalk at gmail.com. And we sincerely appreciate your time, your interest, and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. So let's all do better today because that's all we really have. And in our Black Business Spotlight, we're remembering our brother, friend, and guest of the podcast, Dr. Rodney Andrews. Way back in 2020, when we were just getting started, this leading light who was a Harvard University Robert Wood Johnson Foundation scholar and assistant professor of economics in the School of Economic, Political, and Policy Sciences at University of Texas in Dallas, honored us with his kindness, knowledge, intellect, and wisdom. Sadly, this world lost this outstanding champion for socioeconomic justice last week. And just a brief reminder of a few of the things that he accomplished in for us far too short a time. He obtained his bachelor's degree in economics from Georgia Tech and went on to earn his master's and PhD from the University of Michigan before eventually finding his academic home at the University of Texas in Dallas, where he was also the director of the Texas Schools Project. His last work revolved around the impact of economics and education. A great scholar, author, brother, husband, and father has transitioned and we want to pay our tribute by once again sharing a few of his thoughts on systemic racism, Black history, and reparations. To hear the entire conversation, episode 14 is still available. Until the next time we meet, take it away, Dr. Rodney Andrews. These issues that we're talking about are, are multidimensional. There are many factors. And so there is no silver bullet. There is no one single action that we can take that's going to alleviate these problems. I think problems of this magnitude require multiple programs, multiple individual efforts um, in, in order to affect a big problem, a big multidimensional problem is going to require multiple efforts. And so I think, you know, we're thinking, we tend to think of in terms of policy as what's that single thing that you could do? And I'm like, there is no single thing, right? Like, you know, there are health issues, 
their job issues, their educational issues, those things are interrelated to affect life outcomes. And so we need multidimensional policies to deal with the multidimensional problem. We've, we've talked about wealth, right? We've talked about generating wealth. And to me, like, you need the ability to fail if you want to be wealthy. If you, if you look at sort of the stories of like sort of the mm-hmm. Bill Gates and the, right. you know, the Steve Jobs of the world, right? They weren't diversifying at the time. They made a concentrated bet on this thing. Right. And, and then when you sort of read their stories, they're like, you know, I failed a bunch of times. But the, the, the benefit that they had is that they could fail and it not be horrific and not ruin their lives. You know, I, I open mm-hmm. up a business, you know, I make this opportunity. It doesn't work out. That doesn't mean that I'm going to starve. And so, right. you know, I think black people, we're undercapitalized. That means that you, right. you, you can't really take that opportunity to invest in, in, in something that's high risk, high reward, because you, you only need to be right one time to be wealthy. I believe personally that, that history strongly suggests that being black in the United States has precluded you from some opportunities, from access to those opportunities. And, um, you know, it is a way of providing those who have been wronged and the descendants of those who have been wronged an opportunity to move forward that they deserve, you know, like, and, and to say that there's nothing, we know that history matters. We've just talked about intergenerational wealth. The past does matter. And, and I think in recognizing that, if you really want this country to be great, um, and I think we do, then you sort of provide those resources so that individuals that black people can move forward.